0: This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Bill Mayer talks about forming faith and character in teens.
1: One Body. One Body.
0: Bill Mayer is the campus minister at Thomas More Prep, Marion Junior and Senior High Schools, theology instructor in the junior high, and head basketball coach for the Monarchs. One Body. Bill is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Ken Billinger. And now... Here's Ken.
2: We want to welcome in uh, Bill Mayer, who is the um, campus minister at Thomas More Prep Junior and Senior High School, as well as the religious religion instructor for the junior high students. He's also the head basketball coach for the Monarchs. In addition, Bill, along with his wife Mandy, are directors of religious education at St. Nicholas of Myra Parish. Bill is the father of Thomas, Andrew, and Emma. I think you had a couple of young folks uh, who were knew the trivia questions yesterday.
1: Yeah, afternoon. I heard that. I didn't know they called <laughs> in, but I heard that. They were pretty excited.
2: Well, when I heard Thomas, I said, okay, that's got to be uh, not Big Tom, because he's just a little too old. He wasn't 12 <laughs> and under, so I knew it wasn't your dad. So, yeah. uh, But Bill, of course, is here with us this morning to talk about new spiritual programs at Thomas Moore Prep Marion Jr. and Senior High School. So, Bill, welcome in. Always great to have you. Let's talk about uh, what the new spiritual programs are that are in place this year at TMP Marion.
1: Well, there's, there's several new ones. Um, you know, every year we try to, to to find a different way the young people you know you got to keep changing because what what they need to grow in faith is changing and and that's a good thing so we got some new ones we're pretty excited about to talk about uh the first one is faith thursdays which is a program that we've put in on their thursday mornings you know you know this that, that one of the things about faith growth is that uh all of us come to it in a different way, and uh, you know, some people, you know, reading scripture and meditating upon it is a great way to grow in faith. Some people just spending time praying the rosary and, and in prayer. Uh, for some people, they like to read books about faith. Some people can't stand reading books about faith. They like watching videos, and so, you know, one of the things that, uh, that we want to do is, is we recognize that all the kids have a different way that they grow in their faith, and we want to give them an opportunity to do it in that way. And so uh, on Thursday mornings, we're so blessed at TMP to have such an incredible faculty and staff we came to them this summer and we asked them to think of a class that they would want to teach the young people and so we're talking math teachers we're talking english teachers we're talking uh we have the counselors help them with it um and they brought back an unbelievable list of classes and then we gave that to the kids and let them choose and i pretty much adjusted hardly anything on it Uh, i was worried one class would be really heavy with them and one class may not have very many but you know thanks be to god it worked out just great. And so uh, on Thursday mornings now at TMP, if you drop in there right away, you'll see classes all over the place uh, with uh, kids taking classes that they wanted, that they were excited to uh, take. Really? Wow, yeah. that's awesome. So That's awesome.
2: So uh, let's talk about the goals of the programs. Obviously, you it sounds like there has been great response, which is great uh, to hear. So what are the goals of these programs that
1: you're setting up now? You know, really the goal is... Uh, is is to have the young people be more excited in their faith. From a standpoint of if if I had to take a class that I wasn't excited about, my attitude's not very good. I go in there, I don't want to get anything out of it, and then the result of it is I don't get anything out of it. Um, so one, we wanted to, to give the students an opportunity to have some self-selection, some self-choice, and then some excitement about going. And and so the goal was first to to just create a little bit of excitement and and a good attitude towards it. Um, You know, the other goals of it is, uh, you know, they get around these teachers who they don't get to see often in a uh, faith standpoint necessarily, and they get to see them in a different light. And we keep giving them... Uh, role models. You know, I, I got a list here. Like our science teacher, Mr. Dennis, is teaching the authentic words of Jesus. And and people don't know this, but Mr. Dennis went to the seminary, has a mm. lot of knowledge, and, and sure. he's a science teacher, but he's doing a great job of leading them in that. Uh, Cody Morinzer, who you know is is leading a men's group with our new uh, counselor, Mr. Zachman. Coach Schulte and Coach Bowen, our football coach, and our AD are leading uh, Fellowship for Christian Athletes. A neat uh, little opportunity for him. We have a women's group that Mrs. Haig is leading. Uh, we have Moving the Body God Gave You with Mrs. Pinckney and Mrs. Schoeff, and uh, they're doing some meditation on Scripture while they're doing some stretching and some things and, and kind of a neat class for, mm-hmm. for young ladies. Um, and along the way, talking about some serious things that, that young ladies need to talk about. Um, we have a prayer warriors group, which they just go in there and they pray for people. So if you got an intention or something, um, you can reach out to them, and they offer that hour up in prayer. Um, we have a prayer and action group, which our, our coach James Harris is leading, and they go work and they do things, um, and they serve people in the community. Uh, we have a couple teachers that are looking at Catholicism and media. Uh, one in particular loves Superman, and so they're looking at the ties between you know Superman and those things. And then I have, uh, I wanted to call it the butt club, but I thought we <laughs> couldn't handle that. But it's all the students who believe in the Catholic faith, but this issue. Why I believe in most of it, but I'm struggling with this, and so right. we talk about those things and we uh-huh. throw it out and, and we discuss. And
2: that is awesome. I think that's a great. So, what are some of the things that you're hearing from the students? The butts, I guess.
1: Oh man, you talk about all the stuff, but you know our young people are just trying to shuffle through, and they always come with their hearts. So you look at 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 marriage. And they always come and they say, well, you know, it's unfair that this person loves this person. And we're saying, you know, they can't be married. And it doesn't have to be, you know, one of the typical would be homosexual marriage, but also like remarriage and, and those sort of things. And, and you know, they're always leading with their heart and they're feeling for people. And then we have to work through the issues. And by the end of it, um, most of them come to understand. But that would be a big one. Uh, legalizing uh, marijuana would be one. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, but the thing about it is, you know, it might make people nervous that, that you talk about some of those things, but the young people have questions on it, and we have a chance to keep them within the church. I truly believe that if you spend time reading and understanding the teachings of the church on any subject, and you put your work into it, you will understand and believe why the church teaches it. Mm. And I, I totally agree. One of the things that I always say
2: is if you understand the faith and you know the faith, you'll never leave it. Mm-hmm. And that's, I really truly believe that. And it's, it's a sad thing because so many people leave not understanding. Uh, I think it's so much more of a perception of what they think the church is than what the reality yeah. is. And so that, that's great. Um, it's great to hear that uh, the young people are, I think that's so important to get them uh, educated early. Sometimes we, you know, we talk about Catholics are sacramentalized, but they're not well catechized. And I think what, what you're doing here is a great a uh, great start, a great way to, to really help these kids to, to learn and know their faith. And that's awesome. Let's talk a little bit about virtues and those virtues you aim to foster among the students. Um, share some information on that, if you would. I,
1: you know, my first thing would be we, we are trying to give them every virtue, but, uh, you know, in particular, there's three virtues we're working on. Um, we're trying to counter uh, the world right now. And so you'll notice pretty quickly the three things I think the world teaches our young people is to be disrespectful, to be selfish and to be prideful. And I think that uh, the way we counter those, then we work with reverence, charity, and and humility. You know, I, I talked to our, even our basketball team last night, I talked to them uh, before the end, we we're going to go play in the shootout, and I'm talking to them about being grateful to the people that are helping put a tournament on for you and those sort of things. And, and one of the things that, you know, you see a lot of times is people just trying to tell the young people that, being disrespectful is the way to go. Don't respect anybody else, whether it's the officials or whether it's, you know, your parents. And, and you know, we talked about, you know, all through human history, you read through the Bible, um, you read through history books, being respectful of your elders, being respectful of other people has always been a virtue in all successful communities and, and situations. And this is the really the first time that people have tried to sell young people on being disrespectful successfully. I would say they've tried before, but but you really look at them trying to uh, try to create disrespect, and, and you know I tell them today, you know, same thing. If I got two kids that are equally good on a basketball team, and I got minutes that are you know up for fighting, who am I going to give the minutes to? The respectful kid or the disrespectful? The respectful kid. And I say, you know, teacher, you got a ninety two point four percent in your class, and you need an A. Do you think the respectful kid might get that little bit extra that you need? And so even they understand that being respectful and treating people well helps them. And it is a good thing, but the world is just full of, of trying to help them be disrespectful. So, you know, that's, that's a fight for them. Charity, be selfish. Don't give to others. You know, today we're working on the Carathon and this is so I told those guys, this is just Radically different if you live out your faith. Why would you just hand money to somebody else when it's your own? You earned it, you did whatever. Why are you just giving that away? That's radical. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, charity for them, uh, we, we won't talk about being radical like Jesus was. Then um, humility, and that's something I struggle with, and, uh, you know, most people do. But the world wants, you know, our, our young people prideful, because prideful people make mistakes all the time. Mm. And a pride is a way not to go to heaven, and that's what the world wants. Yeah. I
2: think that's a, that's an incredible message. You talked about the whole idea of respect. One of the things that's, that can be very challenging, and uh, I'm, I'm certainly not saying this of TMP parents, but is many times and the old saying goes, you know, kids listen to 50% of what you say, but you know, they, they watch 100% of what you do. And when you have parents in the stand who are reacting in a bad way, disrespectfully, um, that sends a message to the kids, and it's obviously not a good message. And so sometimes... It's important for those, you know, the parents to understand that as well, because uh, obviously they're going to the kids. A lot of times, will mirror their actions, and we certainly want uh, so that can. I know, I just know with sports, sometimes the intensity that happens, <laughs> people get caught up in the moment, and and I can't say I've never done that before on a bad call or something like that back in the day, but but uh, those are things that we certainly want to be aware of. So this year, uh, a newly structured service hour program was implemented at TMP. Kind of talk about how the new system works and what you want to achieve with the,
1: the new system. Okay. Um, you, one of the things we did was made a terminology change, and it seems kind of minor to a lot of people, um, but we, we no longer call them service hours. We now call them stewardship hours, and and one of the things that I'm, I'm starting to beat a drum on a little bit is, you know, I think we've been bullied into not using the word stewardship, and I think Satan likes that we don't use the word stewardship. Um, you know stewardship is a gift in our life the reliance upon him and not material things or ourselves and why would we not talk about those sort of things so we brought that terminology back with our young people in a positive way and and so that's the terminology change we've also changed what they're trying to uh to learn each year and so each year they have different expectations Um, their freshman year we're trying to teach them how to learn how to serve their family and and i think that you know when we were growing up, that was just expected. You took out the trash. Why? Because you were helping the family household and those sort of things. And, and you know, sometimes I would get service hours turned into me because they took out the trash or they mowed the lawn. And it's like, that's not service. That's what you're supposed to do. And so we're trying to teach them what authentic service for the family is. And so we're trying to encourage them, you know, dad and mom are stressed, can't do something. And you do something that substantially takes a weight off of them in a way that they weren't expecting, um, trying to teach them how to serve their family. Uh, sophomores were trying to teach them how to serve their parish. And so one of the things is is TMP is so blessed to have the support of our parishes, and we couldn't do it without them. And we want to make sure that our young people get into the parishes and learn how to serve them as well. And so serving, lecturing, uh, greeting at Mass, um, going to the CYO programs, um, going to the the soup suppers and those sort of things just being part of the parish we're just trying to bring them in and and we're so lucky in Hayes to have such fantastic cyo groups that if we get the young people there you know they will keep them in the cyo programs and then everybody wins um Mm -hmm. in in that way and so our junior year we're trying to teach them how to uh, serve the needy and the socially marginalized and so trying to get them into some organizations that that do that kind of work And uh, then our senior year, we're trying to actually get them into the secular community. So, places that aren't necessarily tied in with the Catholic Church that serve a population. So, the evangelization uh, aspect of it. Wow, that's awesome. Kind of see the progression from home to church to community
2: to the secular. Yeah, that's really awesome. Sounds like a great program. A lot of good things happening right now. Bill, let's talk about some of the opportunities the students have for growing their faith. And, uh, maybe also the opportunities for faith sharing with the
1: students. Okay. Um, so along with some of the, the new stuff that we're, uh, working on putting in, um, the, uh, the other aspect of the stewardship hours that I forgot to mention to you was the, uh, prayer hours that we're also requiring, uh, with our stewardship hours. And so, you know, one of the things that we have to do is we have to help young people develop a prayer life and, uh, It's one of those things that it's a real battle for young people because of the noise in their lives, the busyness, the chaos. And so one of the things that we also require on the stewardship hours is they have to spend five hours in a chapel or in their parish in prayer in a year. Five hours for the freshman year, 10 for sophomore, 15 for junior, and 20 for the senior year. And we offer some opportunities. I mean, they're welcome to stop by anytime at school and go to the chapel. Uh, Monday morning before school, we have adoration for an hour before so they can stop in there or they can stop in their local parish. Um, And this is actually something we took a little heat on. I got an anonymous letter on it actually uh, requiring people to have prayer hours. But the truth is that uh, in order for you to develop a prayer life, you just have to have some time and you have to cause some time. And, and so that's what we're trying to do with them is to give them that opportunity just to sit in the chapel and let the Holy Spirit work on them um, in that way. And so that's one of the ways, you know, along with the other programs, if they if they're doing their stewardship hours and they're working with the poor and the marginalized, their hearts will grow. Um, they will enjoy those sort of things. They will see the fruits of it. And uh, and same way if they're sharing their faith in their Thursday morning class again, especially if they're excited about it, they will grow. Actually, I love that because, um,
2: and I I applaud you for that because the reality is our foundation is our prayer life that mm-hmm. is the foundation and that really kind of makes everything else if you will come alive the mass comes alive our spiritual life continues to grow and and and, and so we develop the, uh, the prayer life is the important thing I, I think uh, so many people miss that they don't understand the importance of prayer and really prayer being the foundation I, I kind of when I do my talks I talk on that all the time because prayer is such an important uh, important piece without that it nothing else happens i mean um to to have that relationship with christ is is uh, first and foremost because to me everything else just really comes alive from there so i think that's a, a great thing and and it's great that students are doing that so uh, it,
1: well and, it, and it's kind of crazy too because it's the one thing we can't force i mean we can force knowledge of the faith on young people you know what i mean and, and we can give you a test, we can give you the knowledge, and you can regurgitate it back, but that doesn't mean it's done anything for you. Um, and so all the good catechesis we may be able to do is not going to matter if we can't help the young people develop a, a prayer life. Yeah, and, exactly. that, and I think that's the most challenging. I think parents are struggling with it. I think our own selves struggle with it, um, but certainly the young people. Uh, it's it's a real war out there for them.
2: Well, it, it really is. Just like you said, all the distractions, and it, I think not only I think adults have plenty of distractions, but it seems like kids probably have more distractions, and it's tougher for them. But the reality is that prayer life, when we can we, we when we can have that as our foundation, um, you know, we're just we're in such a busy world. You know, I I read. The Desert Fathers, you know, St. Anthony of Egypt, for example, and the two things that are really talked about. Uh, Henry Nowen wrote a book on the on the Desert Fathers that is really good for prayer. But two things that are critical—I mean, there's several others—but the two pieces he talks about: solitude and silence. And we have in this crazy world, solitude is something that we need. That we we need. It's almost like you just need to have it for your sanity sometimes. And so to have that time of solitude and then have that time of silence and just to sit and listen. Um, is a very powerful way to to grow in your prayer life for yeah. sure.
1: Look at look at Advent. I mean, I think Advent's a great example of, you know, I think Satan is doing everything he possibly can to make sure we never have a moment in Advent of silent sure. reflection of what's about to happen. And so you got the lights, the noise, the Christmas carols, the and all those things are good. I'm not trying to say anything negative about it. But it's like we've tried to make sure that from Thanksgiving until New Year's, you never have a moment to just sit silently and right. and think about Christmas.
2: What happens inevitably is, and it's happened to me in years past, is Advent flies by. It's really almost un- unnoticed. We have Christmas, and then all of a sudden we're at New Year's, and it's like, wow, where did everything go? Yeah. And we're caught up so much in the shopping and in, in getting decorations, getting all the things ready. Like you said, nothing wrong with that, but we also have to take the time to – Really appreciate and understand why uh, we're we're celebrating what we're celebrating, and, and Advent is. Some, sometimes it's to me, it's just a wonderful four-week period that we just certainly don't want to overlook. So. Yeah. And it's great that again helping kids to understand. And I go back to some of the college students I see at Fort Hayes. I'll just use that as an example. Who are they? They really have developed a strong prayer life. The prayer life is important to them, and they uh, they're just different people. I mean, they are just they feel and seem to be at peace with their lives and enjoying life, but also knowing that Christ is at the center. And uh, I think if we can help our young people in any way to. to draw closer to christ in that way then that's great so what are some of the um uh let's talk about you know technology in fact i wrote that down without even looking because i was going to bring this up and here it here it is but technology and the client the decline of the family unit definitely have an impact on young people and i know that that's probably one of the bigger challenges um we talk about the importance of just the role of the father in the family and how that's really declined. But have you noticed that in youth today different from maybe a generation ago with that the decline in the family?
1: Yeah, I think I notice it, you know, one, I notice it in the faith area. So certainly that that's a difficult thing. You know, our our model of God's unconditional love for us is our parents unconditional love for each other, and no matter what happens, them staying together is that model for us as young people. You know, I grew up really comfortable because I knew no matter what happened at home, my parents were always going to stay together and love each other, and that was a reflection of, of God's love for me, and it helped me. And, and for some people, that promise of we will always stay together as a family union and then they fall apart, it really makes young people struggle with that. And and you notice that a lot in faith development side of can God, you know, particularly, I mean, I grew up knowing I could make God angry, because I could certainly make my parents angry. <laughs> but I also knew they always loved me. And I understood that as God always loving me. But I think young people of situations like that, where parents walk away, or You know, they—they're just not a good, loving household. Uh, They feel like they can make God happy enough to where He would no longer love them, and—and I see that as being a struggle. On the coaching side. I think all coaches who work with uh, kids will tell you it is a lot easier to coach kids with family units that are still together than family units that aren't. Again, because of that unconditional love, they go home to parents who, you know, whether they had a good practice or bad practice, they always have love. You know, on the other side, they're competing for love a little bit, and and it's just a different dynamic, and you got to be a little different um, with them. So, you know, I look at some of what our kids are, are carrying around and, and just the fact that they're still functioning is amazing to me because of the burdens that these young people have. And, and uh, you know, it breaks your heart to see what, what kids are struggling with. Mm well i uh, definitely some challenges those are things that you know
2: we we uh, one of the things i talk a lot of times to men's groups and and uh, men in particular about that sp- that role of spiritual leadership in the family too and even those family units maybe that are together sometimes with the uh, we struggle we see i an example is i see mom at church with the kids but dad's not there Always playing golf this morning. And so those are things that impact. Again, it goes back to that kids, you know, listen to 50 percent of what you say and watch 100 percent of what you do. And... Those are things that are impactful, and and it's amazing the numbers. And and if we could, uh, the my one of my biggest goals, and one of the things I want young dads to understand is the importance of of taking that that lead and not being afraid to do it. I think too many guys today are worried about, well, I'm not spiritual, so I, I, this is not a responsibility I'm I, I can take, you know. Be and I and the reason I'm so passionate about it is because back in the day. I was not that, I was the example of what not to be. Um, I, you know, Blaine went to TMP and I said, okay, they'll form him there. That was kind of my attitude, which was totally upside down. And so today I want dads, I don't want dads to make the same mistake I did. Yeah. And I think it's important um, because the numbers that are out there are, are you know, there's staggering numbers when the father's involved in the faith life, the chances of the kids staying involved increase just tremendously. I think it's for mothers, 17% of the kids continue in their faith uh, journey. And when the dad is involved in the faith, it's like 93%. Yeah, I
1: think it's exactly what it is. It's a
2: crazy number. And those aren't, it's not perfect by any means. I know some super dads that do everything they could could possibly do. And their kids have fallen away from the faith or have just, you know, uh, turned away from the faith in one way or another. But what you know, the chances of that happening um, are a lot are lessened quite a bit by, by uh, the dads that plug in. So it's getting the dads, and it's t- those are the tough ones to reach. You know, I we can do a men's thing at church and see a, a whole group of guys in there, but it's all the guys that are already yeah. plugged in. I want the guys that are. You know that are that are not doing anything at all, and there's you know there's challenges to that, and we've got some groups that are working on that, doing some amazing work in that area, and I think that's that's a call that I think I would love to see the church try to, and again we have to do it. It's not one of those things we can announce at the pulpit or in the bulletin because those guys are not coming. Yeah, they're not coming. But how do we you know how do we uh, get that? out there more and more and uh, it changes it you know you change the father you change the family you change the church you change the
1: world yeah really what happened I uh, that's why I like the coaching aspect is because that gives me an opportunity to reach some people that I, I may not be able to because they're not going to show up to something like that but a sporting event you know for for practice we have a saint of the day and you know I had a, a dad ask me why do you have a saint of the day why are you trying to mix these things and I, I flat out looked at him like why would I waste these kids time if we're not growing them in faith you know, ultimately, basketball is not that important. The lessons you learn can be important and help you, but sure. but ultimately, it's not that important. But if we can get them, you know, we have a hundred and some practices, but we can get them to know a hundred and some saints through the season. We've done something, you know. And and that conversation with him, you know, I, I like to think we couldn't have any other time because he wouldn't show up to something like you're talking about. But so I think there's there's other avenues out there that we can get to some of those guys. But I agree with you 100. Uh, we we got to get that that going in the church yeah and it's it's
2: interesting because I always say well I'm not probably not the guy to do it I'm I'm kind of the grandpa now but the young people and where it is you talk about sports and that's really a, a perfect scenario guys talking to each other at a soccer game or a basketball game or a football game whatever it is at a sporting event and it's an invitation and simply says hey you know Thursday nights at 8 30 after the kids are in bed uh, we get together as guys just talk about guy stuff you want to join us it's that simple invitation there's no bulletin announcement there's no official name for the group there's no website there's none of that but it's 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 really a focus model and uh, the the way focus works uh, it's based off that but it's really a simple invitation and the guys come out and they start talking about guy stuff and they introduce the faith and and they don't um, you know if it doesn't Go anywhere, it's okay, and then we go back to conversation, and eventually circle back around. It's amazing what's happening uh, uh, with the guys that are doing that. Yeah. So um, those are things I think that are so important, and really with the with the family today uh, under attack, um, you know, I think it's one of the most important things that we need to be doing. So I love the fact that you're instilling that as a coach in the young men, and, and doing those things, and and being firm about it when those dads may ask the question why. Yeah, so.
1: they don't they don't like that answer, but. But that's what it is. We should touch on technology just a little bit, too. Sure. Uh, you know, the the thing with the technology that's, that's hurting kids is so much junk can get delivered to them in a tiny little box that no one can ever see or touch or know because you don't know their passwords. You don't know their way in. And I think, you know, technology is good in a lot of ways. But I think that's the concern is that so much toxic stuff is being delivered to them in their rooms when no one knows that it's being Mm -hmm. delivered to them and so even if you knew what they were consuming whether it was social media or whether it was pornography or if it whether it was something else you could combat that but the problem is we have no idea what is being delivered to them and there's a direct box to every young person and bullying and social media i mean kids are falling apart because of something that's going on on their phone Mm -hmm. and you don't know that they're being under attack and you can't help them and so that's what's concerning to me about technology yeah it busies them up and causes all sorts of troubles but we have absolutely no idea what's being delivered to them in in that
2: Uh, and hold that thought i want to talk more about that because that is to me that's one of the biggest um you know You talk about there's bullying, there's cyberbullying, and all of the things that go on with that.
0: We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. We'll be right back with more from campus minister at TMP Marion Junior and Senior High Schools, Bill Mayer. One
1: body,
0: God's creation. This one-body show is brought to you by Herman Physical Therapy and Wellness. The PT is in. Let's take a question. Can physical therapy help my back pain?
1: In most cases, the answer is an emphatic yes. Back pain can often be managed through specific exercises or with manual therapy to improve the mobility of the spine.
0: Thank you, Caller. Troy, we have another question. Caller, you're on the air. Do I need to see my
2: doctor first to get orders?
1: Great question, and the answer is no. Most insurances do not require doctor's orders for physical therapy. And by starting with PT, you can often reduce costs and shorten recovery times from an injury.
0: Thank you, callers, and thank you, Troy. Herman Physical Therapy and Wellness at 2707 Broadway Avenue in Hayes, on Facebook, online at HermanPT.com, 785-621-5888. We're back on One Body Stewarding God's Creation
1: One body.
0: with TMP Marion Junior and Senior High School Campus Minister, Bill Mayer. Ken Billinger is conducting the interview.
2: Talking with Bill Mayer, who's a campus minister at TMP Marion Junior Senior High School, and some of the challenges that we have with our kids today and, and really helping them to grow in their faith. Technology is the one thing, you know, I I, I thought about that, too. We I don't remember. A friend and I were talking. I, I said, think about this. Years ago, it was if, if kids wanted to get a hold of... Uh, pornography, it was generally like a Playboy magazine. Yeah. And somebody's dad had a habit. And and that was kind of, oh, I found my dad's stash of Playboys, for example. And so the guys would all go over to somebody's house. And that was kind of a common thing. I, I, I will share a story briefly that at one time, when I was probably fourteen, I searched high and low in my parents' house when my mom and dad were gone, thinking dad 's got to have a stash somewhere and i was i'm i 'm proud to say today i'd never found anything so kudos Good. to dad um and i trust me i didn't I left no stone unturned uh, but but today it 's as close as you said the device one of the things the other things you know you can you can look at that, and uh, I didn't. I didn't even. I mean, this is I somewhat techn technology savvy, but not not totally. And I noticed when on the iPhone, anyway, there's a button called Private down here. I just came across that by accident, and it's private browsing, so it won't remember pages you visited or anything. And kids are very savvy, so they're going to know these things too. And it's unfortunate because. Um, in fact, the story was: um, we had an. It, this was actually an, an eight-year-old student at our parish. We was basically showing kids how they can uh, how they can erase history on their phone, and so those are things that are out there and they're happening, yeah. and we have to be aware and I think sometimes parents can be a little bit too lax with with the you know the access to the the phones and, and the smartphones, and we call them smartphones i'm not sure how smart they <laughs> are sometimes yeah. but
1: I think just being being
2: aware, being vigilant I think is important too yep. Yep. yeah
1: and and you know I think certainly. The pornography thing is not something we enjoy talking about. I think at some point in our time, all of us are uncomfortable. It it took me a long time before I even wanted to say that word, certainly on like the air or something like that. But if we want to help young people this day and age, we have to educate them on it. We have to uh, help them to understand how harmful and and detrimental that is to their lives. And uh, we need to, as parents, help our young people when they're growing through those formative uh, years. To, uh, to avoid those things. Uh, and it's a natural tendency, uh, a desire at that age at some level, um, and we just have to help put safeguards in place for that. But if you want to help your young person, in my advice as a campus minister who works with young people all the time, it's control that phone, whether you can mirror it or whether you can lock it and limit it or what you can do with it. The single best thing you can do for your young person, they won't like it. But the best thing you can do for them is to control that phone. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I want to
2: mention, because I know there's men who uh, young people and uh, men and women actually struggling with pornography. There are there are measures you can put in place. There's uh, programs out there, one called Covenant Eyes, for mm-hmm. example. I've got a good friend of mine who has a ministry that that's what he does. It's called King David's Rock. In fact, we spoke at Fort Hayes State last year and to talk about that because that is a struggle. It's a it's a big, big business. I mean, when a business is making Thirty-one, or you know, the industry is making thirty-one hundred dollars a second, um, making more money than pro sports combined. That's yeah. a pretty serious thing, and so we've got we've got a, a battle on our hands. And those are things that are just, um, again, as close as as, as right, uh, you know, in the palm of your hand with your with your smartphone. So we want to be aware of that. Let's talk. We talked a little on technology, and and uh, has that I get? How many years have you been teaching now?
1: Uh, this is my seventh.
2: Seventh year. Yep. So even in that time, have you seen, I mean, with technology changing, has that really become more challenging every year? Is that, have you yeah. noticed that? Has that kind of been
1: yeah, I think so. I think, you know, originally not every kid had a smartphone. They were expensive. And, and even just in the last seven years, the availability to everybody, like even – You know, people like Cody Marins. I give him a hard time. He teaches with us. He's finally gone from the flip phone to a smartphone. And so, you know, when he went, he was the last human alive that had the flip phone. and, And and so now everybody has it. And and I think they're really good at attacking our young people through it. I mean, you talked about it being an industry. I think, you know, Satan's goal is to, to help the young people to devalue themselves. So they're attacked with pictures of beautiful people that they can't live up to those standards. There's the cyberbullying, so they're under attack that way and and all this makes for a really incredibly terrible combination for our young people that and I know even for myself social media If I like in Lent, I give up social media. And when I clear my head of all that stuff and I quit checking the news stations, it's amazing how fast my life changes in a positive way when I'm not consuming that kind of stuff. And and, you know, you talk about technology, but on the positive side, and I want to be a salesman for a second, you got like KVDM radio here producing quality Catholic stuff out there and the changes in people's lives when they consume this kind of stuff. And so, you know, we, we just have to use this tool in a positive way you know they've got the app and they've got different ways but whatever you choose to consume through your phone mm-hmm. will affect your life exactly. one way or the other and if you choose to consume stuff like catholic radio I mean your life will take off an entire different way if you consume the muck and the mess it's not going to be a good deal
2: I exactly right and that the, you know I I'm on facebook with um, you know ministry pages that we have and things and and but and I'll, so sometimes I'll start kind of scrolling through, and and what happens to me is I get to a point where I go, okay, this is enough. I'm, you know, I'm seeing stuff on there, and it's like, okay, this is ridiculous. So um, to that point, is, is let let me find something constructive rather than destructive. And I think uh, we do have that choice, like you said, like anything else, and we can we can choose. Um, to listen to good programming and good radio or good uh, good things from the Internet, or we can choose the other. So uh, an excellent point. Well, by the time seniors graduate, what's the one thing that you hope they will have absorbed from their time with you as their campus minister?
1: You know, uh, I really want them to have three things when they, when they leave us. One, I want to surround them with the Saints. We have so many role models that we put in their lives, and many of them are not good. I want them to be able to name hundred plus saints and have some information on the story. I think if they understand the ones who came before them and, and survived and were successful uh, in their faith, I think that's a positive because then they always, you know, it always goes back to this is too difficult, but if this person did it, why can't I do it? And so I want them to always have that in their mind. Um, I want them to leave us with a prayer life. And, and this is going to be really, really hard. Um, I understand that in a lot of ways, It's a a personal choice whether they leave us, but we're going to do the best we can to help them. We're going to give them opportunities. We'll even require it to a certain extent just to give them that chance. I feel like if they leave us with a prayer life, they're going to be fine. I sleep well because the Holy Spirit will have his His way with them and, and will lead them to Christ. And, and I'm, I'm comfortable with that. And of course, we want them with really solid catechesis. And we're so blessed to have such good teachers. Um, we're doing the Matthew Kelly series the other day for confirmation. It's a great series. One of the questions Matthew Kelly asks is, um, who is authentically living out their faith? And uh, a number of times in my classes, Cody, uh, Marinzer comes up, who's one of our high school theology teachers, and Judy Mitchell, or uh, sorry, Judy Schuler comes up as one of our theology instructors. And so, you know, we're so blessed to have people who know the faith, that care about teaching the faith, that are living out that faith and people recognizing that authenticity, that uh, you know we want them to have that that catechesis and so if they leave us with solid catechesis they have a prayer life they know the saints and they've learned how to serve would be probably the fourth one then uh i think that they're set to be dynamic leaders in the faith as they leave us i think
2: that's outstanding wow what a great formation so uh talking we've got a few minutes left
1: talking about saint you favorite saint for bill mayor uh mine would actually be saint uh jude and it's it's a personal saint uh my great grandmother prayed through St. Jude's intercession for a family member of mine. And it's just something that has been passed down. Uh, I actually have her statue in my office at TMP. He's the patron of impossible things. And there seems like so many things that I run into. Um, so a close second would be St. Rita, another saint of impossible things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, those two are, are near and dear to my heart. Obviously, St. Thomas uh, Moore would be part of that. And I didn't even know a story till I went to there. And then what an admirable man. And an amazing, in our lifetime, what we're dealing with now when we look around our culture. I mean, what a, what a great saint for that. So I know you asked for yeah. one, but I well, had to give I, you three.
2: So I don't think I have just one. Yeah. I think, you know, there's a number number of saints. Um, for me, Catherine of Siena is amazing. Um, John Paul II. And I'm, I'm really a fan of, you know, we, we just celebrated 50 years of Humana Vitae. And so the new saint, of, of course, is um, Pope Paul VI. And just what he did and, and what he went through during that whole time of Humana Vitae, and really a lot of cris- criticism from yeah. the lady, a lot of criticism from even other church leaders, and, and he stood firm on that. And to read Humana Vitae today, I don't know if you've ever read yeah. it, but if you read from about, I think, 17 on, it's very prophetic. And to, to, it was almost like, wow. You know, I mean, to yeah. see the things that were happening and that and you talked about. So uh, okay. I think there's so many good... You're right. We sometimes, you know, we really look to the saints because they can be great role models for us. And, and I th- I love the fact that you implement that with the students, because when we feel like it's impossible to do something right, we can look to the saints and know that, you know, I mean, think about Augustine and the yeah. life he led and, and, yep. and uh, St. Monica who prayed for him, his mother prayed for him so much that uh, we saw that transformation and became an amazing saint. And uh, so lots of good stuff. We appreciate your time and we st- heck, we still have a few minutes left. I guess let me let me ask another question and this is probably a little more delicate, but we'll talk about <laughs> it. Let's talk a little about the church scandal. Has that been something that the students have asked about or talked about or what what's what's happened in that in their world there?
1: Yeah, you know, I don't think it's as big a deal for the young people as it is for the uh for the older people in the church, one of the things is everybody that they look up to seems to have a break or a bad situation, and then things come back. So you know, this is one of the feedback that one of the young people gave me is like, everybody has to break breakdown and goes to rehab, and then they come back, and they're strong, and they're good. And, and so for them, at some level, they're more forgiving than us at a, at a different level because in their world, that, that's something that happens. I think those that are looking for a reason not to believe in the church – are looking at this for a reason to to mm-hmm. leave the church, mm-hmm. but I also think that this shows the beauty of the church and the fact that uh, the gates of hell will never prevail, and and so we want to talk about yeah humans make decisions, but let's look through the history of the church and the fact that it's still around 2000 years later, exactly. even though other things like this have happened at different times. And, and part of it for us is, Hey, let's put the light on, let's shine it as bright as we possibly can. And let's get everything out of there that, that is not supposed to be there. And we're going to come out of this a lot stronger than, than we were going into it. And you know, the fruit of it will be good. But, but I, I do think the young people don't struggle with it as much as the, mm-hmm. the older people do. I think it's just one of those things that just even for myself just caused me to stop and sit down and I, I just didn't even have words. I didn't know what to say.
2: You know? Yeah, well, I think you're right to your point. I think we want to be transparent as a church. We want to. We are going through a cleansing process, really, but we have to continue to pray. When we, what we have to look at, too, and what I tell people is the the church is you know we're we're they're human so there's going to be we're fallible and it's unfortunate in some cases that what's happened is very unfortunate but the reality is it's there and it's always going to be there but I think if we can be transparent, that's important. But we also have to look at the flip side of that. And, and that's a very teeny, tiny yep. percentage. We look at how many great priests we do have, how many faithful priests and bishops we do have who do wonderful work and continue to do wonderful work. And I think sometimes probably when they're wearing that collar, probably get attacked in this day and age, yeah. being called everything under the sun just because of you know their, their uh, the fact that they are a priest. And so there's a lot of challenges there. So we need to pray for our good priests yep. we'll we pray for everybody not and you know because I do I pray for I pray for Archbishop McCarrick I pray for Archbishop Worrell. I I pray for those those uh, bishops and and uh, but I also pray for our priests who have, you know, remained steadfast and have done such an incredible job because there's so many, you know, there's a lot more of those.
1: Pe- people, you know, <laughs> don't necessarily like to hear this, but part of this falls on us, the laity. There used to be a great tradition tradition within the church that we did pray for our priests. And I think part of it is we quit covering our priests with prayers like we should have as the laity. This will cause us to do that better. and And you know part of it you're in the same boat i am you know it breaks my heart because we do have friendships with such great and every priest that i've ever experienced in my lifetime has just been so fantastic and and i've got a cousin who's in the seminary i feel really bad for those guys that are dealing with this but at the same time they get an opportunity to uh offer that up and and uh you know souls will be saved through this in, in a lot of different ways. But I do think it's a call for us, the laity, to surround our, our priests with, with prayers. Absolutely. I think there's
2: – I do that. We do – my wife and I generally do a rosary together every day, and we take each 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 bead, each Hail Mary, and, and we're offering it up. Um, I mean, we do family, but we do the priests, bishops, and, and different people that we know. So yeah. we, awesome. we pray for it pray for them by name i think it's too important not to do that so i agree so well bill thanks so much for joining us we really appreciate it and uh, love the work you're doing working with young people that's so important and i just really i think you're doing a fantastic job i'd love to see what you're doing thanks always great to talk to you so
0: Thank you for listening to Divine Mercy Radio. Whether you're listening via radio, computer, smartphone app, or Amazon Echo, we appreciate you tuning in to this week's One Body Stewarding God's Creation. If you would like to comment on today's show or have an idea for a future show, please go to dvmercy.com and click on the one body icon. The comment button is in the middle of the page. And folks, eternity is not seen, but neither are these airwaves. But if you can support these radio waves and help save souls for eternity, then please go to dvmercy.com and click on donate, where your donation will be seen and appreciated. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio, KBDM 88.1 Hayes, and KRTT 88.1 Great Bend. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.
1: One body, one body, stood in God's creation.